All right, before we get started here, I want to remind you that this is a big girl and big boy podcast, meaning that you will hear us swear. If you don't like it, don't complain. Just stop listening right now. Betfred Sportsbook presents the Doc Talk podcast. Download the app today in the Apple or Google Play stores. New signups in Iowa, Arizona, and Colorado get a free $20 bet with the promo code DOCTALK. Betfred Sportsbook continues to grow operations in Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Louisiana, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and now Washington. Editorial note, if you are in Nebraska, please call your state senator and demand online sports wagering. The way it's set up now is half-assed and in no way benefits you, the consumer. Also, a special thanks to Husker Hounds, two locations in the Omaha area, and huskerhounds.com. And attorney Connor Orr. He's an expert litigator, a registered sports agent who can help your business navigate name, image, and likeness deals. Reach out to him, Connor, at ohflaw.com, or visit their website, ohflaw.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll be able to watch this podcast there. Also, join us on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock as we go behind the point spread with our good friend Scott Spritzer. Additionally, the Doc's Diagnosis, presented by Centris Federal Credit Union, is on our YouTube channel. Watch Dr. Rob do a deep dive into the X's and O's. Like our Facebook page, just search Doc Talk Sports. Follow Dr. Rob on Twitter at Doc Talk Sports. And follow me, Travis Justice, at Travis Creates. Have a question for Dr. Rob? Send an email, Sports at gmail.com. This is the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook, 2022, episode 25. Dr. Rob representing, look at that Husker Hound shirt you got on. It's a good look. It is like the most comfortable t-shirt ever. You know, way. my wife took mine already because she likes to sleep in it. <laughs> you know, because I'm a fatty and I wear like the the, the big double X it's or just, big triple X. It's a comfy t-shirt. That's it the is. thing. There but, you go. I love it. But the cool one about that is that many people may or may not know this, but Scott Strunk, owner of Husker Hounds, is a veteran. He served in the Persian Gulf War. When he got home from the war, he said, fuck it, I'm going to sell T-shirts. There you go. And you know what? He's been selling T-shirts since the 90s. He has been doing this a while. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, God, it's a great sh- His stores are great. I mean, if you're – I'd say Husker fan, but if you're a sports fan at all, because he'll get stuff for anybody. I mean, I got uh, Joel Wilkes, former, uh, former Husker, uh, left guard on the pipeline, he lives in Portland, Oregon. One of his kids is a huge Oregon Ducks fan. And so he needed to get an Oregon Ducks parka, and Scott hooked him up with that. He'll get anything you need. But, I mean, he always has some Iowa stuff. He's got some Iowa State stuff. He's always got Creighton stuff. So, it's it, I mean, if you like sports, if you live in the area, he'll he's got you covered. I know you shaved this week, man. I did. You do that just for me? I'm trying to look good for you. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about Manscaped. Have you used your Manscaped stuff yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your balls are thank you. And we'll have a lot more uh, to talk about that in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that is, I mean, you went with the head, you went with the face, you went with everything today. Yeah, but I, I kind of shave everything usually. Yeah, I, I just did my cheeks and my, uh, I didn't do the head today because I cut myself yesterday, so I got to let it like heal yeah, up. Yeah, you know? got a little scar. Yeah, because I've got like there. the Sharpay thing in the back of my head where it's got the wrinkles and, you know, it's hard to get in between those those crevices every once in a while. It could just be you're old and fat. I mean. Well, there. 
there's a lot of truth to that, man. There's there is a lot of truth to I'm that. I'm right there with you. So now you heard me say in the open uh, to call your state senator, and the reason I said this is uh, there was an article in the Omaha World Herald yesterday about the casinos that are getting ready to open up in the state of Nebraska. I think um, the one down in Lincoln is going to be ready to go maybe by October. But they're not going to have sports book or a sports book yet because Nebraska has not come to an agreement on what their sports betting is going to be. Right now, you cannot bet online, right? You can't use the Betfred Sports app like we want you to do if you, and go to Iowa to do, or if you're closer to the Colorado border. Which that. is probably, I, I mean, I would guess most people who bet online, that's what they're doing. Right Rob, now. I can tell you right or now. I, I say betting online. Most people who are betting on sports either A, want to do it that way or are doing it that For, way. First of all, I was around when Iowa launched its sports betting, right? And right away, they went with online gambling. I can show you the numbers. Next week, I'll pull out the numbers. It's astonishing in that I would say 96 to 97% of the sports wagering handle in the state of Iowa is all online. People don't go to the book. They don't want to go to the casino. They want to sit in their house, and they want to do it as the game's going. I mean, there's in-play wagering, all sorts of stuff. You, in know, the what, sports you know what app. that is? It's convenience. It's consumer-driven. That's a lot of tax revenue for the state of Iowa. It's a huge amount. We're talking We're talking in the billions, right? And not the, the revenue they get, but what's wagered. And that's why Nebraska is so ass-backwards when it comes to thinking about this. They're overthinking it. When, when legalized sports gambling became available, Iowa was ready to launch within a couple of months. Nebraska is saying their books may not be ready until 2023. That's too long. That That is not consumer driven it's not it's it's not but i think you've still got enough people who are kind of i don't want to say pushing back on it but 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 nobody was willing to make this a smooth process they weren't because and and, and you do have people that i I guess that's probably the best way to put it you had people and I, i love coach osborne but I know he was pushing back on this from a political standpoint to, to try and make this as hard as possible. I, I, I don't know why. I, I mean, it, I mean it is, it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. You can watch Behind the Point Spreads Wednesday night with us at 8 o'clock. And if you go to the analytical approach, okay, it's not you know put one on red or one on black and craps. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you do your homework, it, it's probably I'd – rather, I'd rather bet on a game than bet – Blackjack or poker or slot machines or God, or fucking Keno's a joke. <laughs> I, I mean, think about it. Nebraska's so moral that I, we, well, we'll have Keno, but it's the worst well, fucking odds ever. And, and that's the thing that cracks me up is it, it's sort of the, the half-assedness of it, yeah. the hypocrisy that you're going to allow some gambling but not all gambling. I remember there there's a number. Well. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Milt Teneper used to go down to Big Red Keno. <laughs> I think it was Big Red Keno at the time. Either way, there was some place in Lincoln that had Keno. And every day at lunch, he would put down for his Keno would be the would be the starting offensive lineman's numbers. Really? Yeah. Did he ever win? Yeah, like one day, like, and it was actually in 94, so it was the, the actual pipeline. We actually, he hit it using the pipeline's numbers. Nice. Yeah, so he did a 56, 76, 54, 66, 72. I, I, that's impressive. You still remember everybody's number. I don't know. That, that That's kind of a weird football thing that gets ingrained in your head. 
True. I, I, and when you're over and over and over yeah, again, you I see mean, it's it just, over and over. These are the guys you're, it's what you're looking at every day. But hey, we're drinking beer today. And Steve Swanstrom from Centrist Federal Credit Union, the president and CEO. Of he road tripped it for us. He, he road tripped it. It's because his daughter goes to, uh, she's, she's in the uh, School of Dentistry. She's going to be a dentist. She's at Marquette University. It was her white coat ceremony. You know, nice. that's a big deal, right? The white coat ceremony is a big deal. It right? is. It's kind of the, any, any medical professional school, it's kind of the entrance ceremony. So, and that's when you really got to start feeling like a doctor because you got the, the white coat and you feel like all important. It's got your name on it. It is, except it's kind of this truncated little shorter white coat <laughs> that just screams you're not you're not fully fledged oh yet. i didn't know that so yeah. there's a, so when you're walking down the hall the doctors and nurses go oh that you're in training <laughs> med student right there <laughs> pa student physical therapy student dentistry student yeah it's, it's like you see that shorter coat is it's, it's it's basically like a it's a white sport coat is what it is and it just screams newbie so he actually brought uh he brought a bunch of beer back this week we're trying two that he specifically brought back for you uh and you're drinking the first one which is called fuck covid so well fuck covid 2.0 so i I think it's like good for like omicron as well okay okay So i mean it's it's delta and omicron now that's a hazy ipa right it is so this is from ale asylum out of madison wisconsin we're we're drinking with Wisconsin beers. Um, the thing that's funny is that if you look at the title, it literally, by the way, sorry, Dave, it says fuck COVID. And that like, there's a little red asterisk there. You go down to the bottom of the can and it says also hoarders. <laughs> I know. I just thought that was funny, but I mean, the can's cracking me up here, but it's a, it's a tasty, hazy IPA. Well, I'm ready to try that. Cause we've got a six pack out here. The other one, he was thinking of you because he's heard you on the podcast mentioned that you have not one, but two great Danes. And he saw this and he goes, you know what? I have to buy this. It's the great Dane. Hey, hold that up to the camera. Can it's you- the great Dane German Pilsner. And it's from a great Dane brewing company. And I tell Wait, you so what, there's literally a great Dane brewing. Yes. Company. Yeah, and I tell you what, it's uh, it's in Madison, Wisconsin. It says crisp, classic, traditional. Um, it's five point two five ABV, and I like this. This is really, really. Rob's right. Rob's reaching for one right now. I'm gonna give it a try. He's reaching for I'm one. Gonna, I'm gonna right put it. In, I'm gonna put now. it in my Bet Fred boot koozie. Yeah, I want it to stay cold. Well, you should. I've got it in the Yeti, but I didn't put any ice in there. And as you've the seen, the Yeti works though. People are gonna see. Uh, our, our, our studio keeps getting fancier and fancier. We just recorded the Doc's Diagnosis presented by Centrist Federal Credit Union. Those will be coming up on YouTube. Uh, but this the studio is going through a transformation. There's a lot of tech in here. There's a lot of shit going on in here. But my son, Owen, who's the visionary behind this whole project, uh, has informed me that we're getting a fridge in here. So we... <laughs> <laughs> so he's informed me that there will be a fridge. Oh, and strong work. Buddy. Yes. That's, a, you know, a glass front. That's a tasty Pilsner, by the it way. It is. It's very tasty. So, yeah. What do you think of the fridge getting in there? So, Wait, we so we're going to do a glass front we're, we're, fridge? We're going to do a glass front fridge. We're going to have all the beer stocked in here so we don't have to go into the into the furnace room <laughs> where we have all the, the beer stocked the, the, right the now. The gimp room of Trav's basement. Well, that's what it is, right? Um but yeah, so so and I've got uh, more to try next week. So we've got a completely nice. different uh, brewery to try next week. You know what? We've gone like holy cow. We've gone like a few months without actually buying our own beer. I think. Oh, I know. And I, I, I've got. Uh, I, I'm running behind. 
we got to get some photos out because we, I promise the people that if you send us beer, we'll take a picture with it and autograph it and send you the photos. So I still got to get some of those photos out. We will do that. We will do I, that. I'm, I'm, I'm running a little bit behind right now. Uh, but before we get into the Nebraska game, we were recording on Monday, which is Labor Day. Uh, so we will. Scott Frost had his uh, news conference today as uh, the, the Huskers get ready for the next game. But I have a new uh, favorite head coach in college football. Do you know who that is? Mark Farley. Nope. Ryan Carty. Ryan Carty from Delaware. This was after Delaware beat Navy yesterday, 14-7. to How does it feel? Well, it feels amazing. I'm just so happy for these guys. All the work we put in. Man, proud to be a fucking blue hand. I tell you that much. Sorry about the F word. I'm proud. On live television, Oh, my God. That was awesome. (laughs) I'm proud to be a fucking blue hand. That is awesome. (laughs) Oh, that kicks ass. Yeah. So, I mean, here he is. Oh, that is. I missed this. Yes. Here, we, we got to hear it one more time. Yeah. How does it feel? Well, it feels amazing. I mean, I'm just so happy for these guys. All the work we put in. Man, proud to be a fucking blue hand. I tell you that much. Sorry about the F word. I'm proud. <laughs> See. He's going to have to issue an apology. He's, and, you know what? He said he's sorry. The good thing is it was on cable television, so they didn't really even have to beep it, right? I mean, that's where people get Yeah, confused. that is true. You know, it's only if it's on a public airway, airwave if you have to, to bleep it. So, yeah, if it's cable, you're paying for it. Well, it's funny because when we first started cussing on this, on this podcast, people were like, you're going to get in trouble with the FCC. I'm like, no, no. we're not. Because this is not uh, this is not public airwaves. You you choose to listen to this, right? And and that's essentially what uh, you choose. You know that we're going to say the f word. We're going to say so hashtag sorry, you. Dave. And we tell you, yes, we up we, front, up front, we say, hey, we're going to swear. Fucking blue hens. Fucking that's blue hens. awesome. You know what? You know that's going to be a t- what's today Monday? Yeah. You know that's going to be a T-shirt by tomorrow. Proud to be a fucking blue hen. Yeah, I mean, it's just next, literally next weekend, there's going to be people all over at the University of Delaware's football games walking around in T-shirts that say fucking blue hens on them. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And and if, and if nobody's making those yet, they ought to be. And if anybody hears this podcast, they probably are now. And by the way, people keep on asking, yes, our T-shirts are coming. You got to give me a little bit of time. I got to get these things produced. You're going to be able to buy some T-shirts here coming because, uh, well, they're going to be super cool. Maybe, hell, we're getting close enough to winter. We could actually do, uh, we could do sweatshirts as we, as we get in some hoodies. Uh, we, we can go all in on it. Rob, you, you're taking some beating on Twitter, okay? And people ask me, oh, my God, Travis Justice is posting this on Dr. Rob's account. First of all, yes, I, rep- I, I post the report card. But I give you the grades. You give me the grades. And, you know, for being the savant that you are, the genius that you are, um, people say your, your math doesn't add up when you do the okay, grades. Okay, so here's the thing. The overall is not a average of each individual grade because a lot of a lot more goes into a game than just those components i'm grading those components and i got a reason why i give them the grades we can go through this here in a second but that overall is not like here's these components and here's the overall average listen if it was just that you guys okay the listeners are smart enough they know math that they can average that shit themselves okay like my overall grade, and I get it, like the lowest is my overall because, and I, I had to like send this out. I sent this to like 30 people who kept questioning it over and over and over again 
all throughout the day, Sunday, and into today. People who are OCD is driving them nuts. It was. And it's like I kept telling people, listen, here's the deal. This takes into account coaching decisions. I mean, uh, kind of like an overall tone, the quality of the opponent. And one of the other things I put in there that, that I kind of factor in, in is after watching this game, what's the gestalt feel? For this team right now, where do I see this team going over the next few weeks? That goes into the overall, and th- that doesn't mean that there weren't good things that happened. And the the individual grades might be, frankly, really good, and the overall is not so good. The opposite might be true. The individual components might not be all that good, but I might have a good feeling about the direction we're going. I mean, take take Nebraska last year. After the Michigan game, the Oklahoma game, the Ohio State game, people were walking away from those games going like, God, we had the, the, the turnover suck, the special teams blunders killed us. Some of these coaching decisions makes, makes you want to beat your head against the wall. But I got a pretty good feel about this team. And man, if they just kind of get their shit together and clean up a few mistakes, they're going to be great. I mean, you felt good about that going forward aspect of last year's team in a lot of ways after a lot of games. This one kind of reflects the opposite of that. So yeah, it's lower than the average of what is listed there above it. But don't, don't, that overall has nothing to do. Well, it's got a lot to do, but the overall is not an average of the individuals that are listed. Because if you took everything that we put into account, this report card would be like 10 or 15 lines long. We just don't, we don't have the space for that. A lot of people are surprised that you gave the running game a C and the offensive line a C plus. Now that's because Nebraska ran for a lot of yards and Anthony Grant had one hell of a game uh, doing a lot of things on his own. Today, uh, Scott Frost talked about the offensive line and the running game because you also gave the offensive line a C plus. Let's compare your grade to what Scott Frost had to say about the running game and the O line. I don't really want to single out the O line because to me it's the it's the run game in general. And and I, I will say this: the the running backs played well. Um, everybody that got in played well. Um, running backs make O lines look better, and O lines make running backs look better. And sometimes receivers and quarterbacks are part of that too. Um, you know, the, the first half we gave up two sacks and that was all we gave up. But that two is too many. Um, and uh, I thought it, one of the par- promising things to see was, was to see us control the ball when we needed to at the end of the game and just be able to run it. Uh, but that has that's a team effort, not uh, one person or one unit. Thoughts on that? Uh, I appreciate the fact that I think he's essentially saying, I mean, if you want to read between the lines there, he's saying the offensive line did not play well. And the rushing yardage came from the fact that the running backs ran really well. Then why'd you give him a C? Because the offensive line did not play and block well. I get that, but you gave the offensive line a C plus and you gave the running game a C. Okay, let's let's go with the running game first. Okay. Okay. I gave him a C because, A, it was not consistent. A lot of yardage came on chunk plays. A lot of those chunk plays happened because we've got a couple of really, really good young running backs and Anthony Grant and A.J. Allen. Those guys are really, really good football players. 
And here's what Scott had to say about his running back. All right. I thought the vision of the running backs in general, everybody that got a chance was uh, really good. Uh, they saw some cracks and and hit some seams to get extra yards uh, that were hard to see. I thought Anthony's patience was really good on a couple of the runs. You know, not just running blindly up in there, but waiting for blocks to develop and. And with a lot of these guys, if we can get them on the second level, we have a chance to make big plays now. And it's kind of up to the O-line and the coaching staff to get us in the right place and the right schemes to make sure that, that some of these backs can get in space. Thoughts on that? Fuck COVID, Travis. <laughs> Look at you. You're three. This is and your hoarders. third. Second. Third. It's your third. I'm still on my first. Yeah, but I've been here a while. We were recording Doc's Diagnosis before this. Speaking of Doc's Diagnosis, presented by Central Federal Credit Union, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, first <laughs> installment of this week's uh, will be on Tuesday morning. Uh, there'll be another one on Wednesday and Thursday. So a- anyway, okay, g- let's go back. Just running. so he liked the he liked his running backs better than you liked the running backs. No, I loved the running backs. I thought they did great, but a running game is far, far more than just the running backs. And so things I'm taking into consideration here with this grade is, A, one, who we're playing. This is a, you know, I keep saying it's an FCS team, but it's a Missouri Valley FCS team. And when you're a middle-of-the-pack Missouri Valley FCS team, you're probably still pretty good. You're not North Dakota State. You're not Northern Iowa. You're not South Dakota or South Dakota State but you're a pretty damn good football team. And I think North Dakota's a they're not a bad team. That being said, if Nebraska plays North Dakota State right now, I think Nebraska gets beat. I really do. You got to keep in mind kind of some big picture stuff here with Nebraska versus North Dakota. This game was a draw midway through the third quarter. That was 17-17. Now, Nebraska scored three touchdowns there late to pull it away. But even if you go back and look at the stats, North Dakota still had a, I think it was a uh, almost a 12-minute time of possession advantage. I think it was 36 to 24. I mean, that's essentially one quarter's worth of time of possession advantage in this game. That's a huge stat. And it's really disconcerting for me when I look at Nebraska going forward that an FCS school can come into Lincoln and hold on to the ball for 36 minutes. That's amazing in my mind. Kudos to them, but it's a little bit of an indictment on Nebraska and Nebraska's running game to be able to put sustained drives together. So things I did not see that what, that I need to see for Nebraska to have a better running game grade are sustained drives. I need to see some consistency in the running game. I love a good chunk play. I love seeing Anthony Grant go 40 yards for a touchdown. But I want to see drives where Anthony Grant goes 5 yards, 7 yards, 4 yards, 6 yards, play action pass for 12, and then Anthony busts one for 20 into the end zone at the end of the series to score. And that's not what you're seeing. You're seeing Anthony Grant go for two yards, two yards, one yard, two yards, 
And every one of those plays are ones where he's making all the yardage himself. And then you'll see this on the doc's diagnosis. I don't want to get into it too much. But then you'll see the offensive line essentially get beat all across the line of scrimmage. And because you've got this pretty much this absolutely fabulous running back in Anthony Grant, he's got enough athleticism and vision that he sees an opening, bounces it to the outside, and outruns the defense to the end zone. That's not a strong running game where you've got good consistent blocking up front by the offensive line. That's Anthony Grant making a play where there wasn't one. And so that's why I gave him a C. Anthony Grant and his athleticism, A.J. Allen and his athletic ability, does not equate to a good running game. It equates to the fact that we've got a couple of freaking ballers at running back that can make shit happen when there isn't anything up front and the offensive line is playing very inconsistently right now. That's so, why they get a C. And then, uh, so the running game is C, the offensive line is C+. Plus. Which then you would think, I probably ought to have the offensive line downgraded to like a D or yeah. F. Um, again, I'm going to put them at a C. And yeah. then I, bu- hold on, hold on. And okay. then I bumped it to a plus. Okay. Because the one area where I still see, that, where I, that's a little surprising to me, especially with what we heard during the off-season practice reports, is the fact that Nebraska's pass blocking is actually not bad. Yet, I mean, now we're talking Northwestern and North Dakota, so I I don't know what we're going to see when, I mean, I don't know what Georgia Southern has up front. I don't know what we're going to see with Oklahoma. I don't know what we're going to see with Michigan State and Wisconsin and Iowa, so on and so forth. But my worry is, is that we're we're actually seeing some pretty mediocre run blocking. There's the C grade. The plus comes from the fact that the pass blocking's been okay. Now, I know they gave up two sacks. Well, one of those sacks we cover in the diagnosis, so I'm not going to go into it. It's the fumble. Here. It's the strip sack fumble. Um, I think that was one where the coaches completely set the offensive line up for failure. And we'll go over that in the doc's diagnosis here in a couple of days. So you gave the passing game a C plus. Again, you know, you had some huge plays. I mean, you had that huge third down conversion second half. I think Nebraska was up 24-17 at the time, buried deep in their own territory. And Casey Thompson completed, I think it was a 30 or 31 yarder to Trey Palmer. Trey the, the pass was just a pinch underthrown. It was essentially a jump ball. Trey Palmer went up, got, got, the, got the catch, came down. Big first down, got him out of the shadow of their goalposts and put Nebraska in a good position to go on down the field and score. You had a lot of those same chunk plays in the passing game. Again, my problem is, is that it's not this consistency that you would like to see. Casey still occasionally overthrows guys. Receivers get hit in the hands and don't make the catch. I want to see more consistency. Again, it's sort of one of these, the C-plus I give the passing game. In my mind, that's sort of like when your kid goes off to college and they're like, C's get degrees. That's what this one is, is that it's, okay, hey, you know what? 
you passed. You didn't fail the test. You got a passing grade. And I'll even give you a C plus for these big chunk plays. But God, we got to see more consistency here. And we got to see, and even though the one sack I put on the coaching staff for putting the offensive line in a bad position, the other one can go on the offensive line. I want to see better pass protection. I want to see a little bit more consistency with both Casey and the wide receivers. And and we haven't seen that yet. We may It may be coming, but that's something that they need to do to get a better grade. Well, I think the reason you're not seeing that consistency is because you're not seeing the consistency with the coaching staff. I love the guys I have on my office and staff. They're bright. They're doing a great job coaching. I think you can see the improvement by position. Uh, we're still figuring it out together, and the team's still figuring it out together, and the players are still figuring it out together. And... Um, in some ways, I thought we made some big strides from last week, um, but there's still a lot to fix. You can hear it in his voice. He he's under stress, man. He is, and he I can't remember. It was either right before that clip or right after that clip. Scott made a comment where he said, "We need to commun- as coaches. We need to communicate better." And he and today he talked about how Mark Whipple, he clarified Mark Whipple called the game in the second half. He clarified that today, and he said that's an example of communicating better. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's a good thing. Again, it's it's a good thing against an FCS team. But what about Michigan? What about Wisconsin? And that's where I get worried is what happens when you get a team with better I – mean, I mean, you get a well-coached team – with instead of a bunch of one and two star kids, it's a bunch of four and five star kids. So you gave the defense a C, and I, before you go into the defense, I'm going to go to a, a uh, uh, an email we got from uh, from Michael. Michael sent us an email, and if you want to send us an email, you can do that. DocTalkSports at gmail.com. That's DocTalkSports at gmail.com. But Michael wrote, writes in, this is watching uh, Eric Schnander last week. He said, I, I, I just uh, uh, watched an Eric Schnander interview. He said, tackling is a hard thing to handle because you can't tackle and recreate open space tackles in practice unless you're going to tackle one, to tackle the ones. And we would all feel terrible if one of our starters got hurt. He then wanted to say, you uh, have to do a great job in drills. He's, you know, Michael goes on to say, I've read that Osborne would routinely put the ones versus the ones in practice and tackling was live. Is this accurate? What was your experience? Um, we, I mean, it wasn't one of these things where I remember, remember the Mark Banker comment, the, I, I bet Iowa's practices are bloodbaths. Yes. It, it's not like our practices in the 1990s were bloodbaths, but I mean, you went three days a week with, I, I mean, I say full pads. I mean, one day a week was true full pads. Two days a week were helmets and shoulder pads, which it was basically full speed without cut blocking. You wouldn't tackle below the waist and you wouldn't cut block a guy below the waist if you didn't have pants and pads on. But otherwise, we were going full speed three days a week every day. We had a, we had some very, very good scout teams. And then we also did, you, you had a lot of ones versus twos. You had a lot of, you did goal line drill on the offensive line, defensive line two or three days a week. He had one-on-one both run and pass blocking against each other. That was live. So you did have a lot of live contact. It wasn't this nonstop ones against ones, but you had a lot of live contact and you had a lot of good on good. 
And, and that does make a huge difference. You have to do that at some point. You have to have that worked in. And I, I'm still kind of a firm believer in the fact that there's there's a degree of physical conditioning that comes from contact that will actually decrease injury rates over time. Well, ironically, this was Scott Frost today at his news conference. Get better right away. Um, consistency, Sam. You know, when you watch the game, even me being on the headset with those guys, we'll knock a run out for one and then one for negative two. Uh, we've had too many that have creased and um, that's just detail. Uh, we're gonna do a little more ones versus ones this week. Um, some ways I feel as a head coach watching, like um, the defense needs to see those plays being run at the speed that the one offense can give them. And even though we don't get perfect looks on either side and trying to give each other a look, uh, I think it's important to continue to do those things. So we'll do a little more of that. Uh, we weren't able to do much of that last week. Um, coming off a trip overseas. So they're going to go ones against ones this week. All right, there we go. Giddy up. I they, like it. It's, it's solved just like that. Boom, Michael. Like that, that, was, that was a good email, Michael. <laughs> it was a great question, which, I mean, I get asked that on occasion, and it's something I've always worried about that, you know, I'm not saying you've got to have these never-ending three-hour-long full-speed ones against ones practices. But you got to have some physical contact, and you got to have guys slamming into each other a little bit. Otherwise, there's there's a component of this that gets lost that you don't have when you actually show up to play the game. So you gave the special teams a B minus. We actually go into a special teams play on uh, the doctor's diagnosis presented by Centrus Federal Credit Union. You'll be able to see that on YouTube. And a lot of people bagged on me on this one, too, because they were like, I mean, you had a missed field goal. You had the the Wyatt Lever play at the end. Again, that's one of those. I mean, that's sort of a, an awareness You had issue. the squib slash onside kick, what was really... Well, they, they tried a squib, and I, I do not disagree with doing a squib in that situation. Can I have a fuck COVID, please? You want to fuck COVID? I want to fuck COVID, please. No, I don't want to fuck COVID because that sounds kind of weird, but I would... That that totally weirded me yeah. out. <laughs> it's a good beer. It's a good beer. Right, from, going our from, the at, the... from our friends at Ale Asylum. Ale Asylum. There so, we go. Um, you know, so, I mean, on the, on the special teams, the things I... The thing I liked about special teams is, A, one... Punting's still very nice and consistent. They're booming it. Um, he did make a field goal. PATs were excellent. You saw the block. And it's all of a sudden we're seeing a, a little bit more, at least in some areas, some consistency here. And you're seeing Nebraska in a position to try and do some things, i.e., let's go after a kick. Let's block a kick. And then again, this was one of the diagnoses, which you mentioned, but the, the way they lined it up, you could tell, Hey, we're going to try and block one of these today. And that's something that you now have the personnel. And I think the coaching that on special teams, you're going to see Nebraska very specifically trying to make plays on special teams, as opposed to just trying to not fuck shit up. And I think that's what we saw last year and the previous few years was Nebraska trying not to screw things up when they went out there on special teams. Now you're seeing them, they've got a little bit of a different mentality in which they're going out there and they're like, you know, well, let's go make a damn play. 
let's go get, let's go block a kick. Let's go get a big return. Well, at the end of the day, special teams can be the difference between winning and losing. Oh shit! Look, and at, the, look at Florida State and LSU. Yeah, I mean, that was huge. I mean, Florida State blocked a kick and won the game for them. Um, you know, it uh, early. I mean, earlier on the previous drive, they or actually it was the the exact drive there. Florida State had actually. Uh, recovered a fumbled punt, and then they fumbled, they gave it right back to LSU, and LSU went 99 yards for a touchdown. But again, those those plays are huge, and they can be incredibly impactful. And I think Nebraska now is at least willing to try and do some stuff on special teams. When in the prior to this year, it was just you know we're going to go out there and not try and cost us a, a win and that's huge and that's why he gave him such a high grade and and Scott Frost uh, gave him a high grade too uh and this is him talking about the special teams at today's news conference well maybe not i feel good uh, i think we got i feel know, good our, our too our punter has been really good our punt protection has been good um kickoff coverage was good there was one that Almost got out. Uh, Cooper Jewett made a great play and was in the right place. There's a lot of effort and detail going on. Um, there's a lot of situations that can come up in special teams. And um, if you watch games around the country again this week, there's special teams plays that won and lost games for people. A um, couple of the things that happened the other day were sloppy mistakes that, that I know have been covered several times and um, kind of rare, a couple rare things. but. We, we need to be smart enough to, to make the right play when those things happen. You know, he mentions, uh, you know, Iowa's a perfect example of special teams. Their punter won the game for him. I mean, it was, a, I mean, think about it. The, Iowa scored a field goal and, and, and two, two safeties. safeties. I've, the I've never defense seen, outscored the offense. I've never seen that before, but Torrey Taylor, who was the special teams player of the week in the Big Ten, had like, he, had, he punted 10 times, Rob. Ten fucking times, and I think like six were inside the ten yard line. He's like icing that leg yeah, but, for a day. But, but if you go six inside the ten, that's that's you're that's you're, you're flipping the field. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it put them in a position where they got two safeties. I, I mean, that's absolutely huge for a team. It's and again, I mean, you you can talk about some of the issues Iowa's having on offense right now, but the bottom line is. Special teams makes a difference, and it did make a difference last year in a lot of those games for Nebraska. It's, I mean, it, it it's one area that I feel like is getting cleaned up. And again, this is part of the well, reason Bill Bush why, is a big reason for that. It is, and that's part of the reason why I gave him again a pretty good grade. I, what did I say? B minus. Uh, yes, B minus. So. It's, you know, some people were like, God, you still saw some mistakes out there. And I'm just like, yeah, but we're doing things better than we did in the past. We've got some, again, Scott touched on it. The punting has been great. The punt protection has been great. The punt coverage has been great. Um, You're seeing some good things on special teams now that I haven't seen in the past. And it's one of the areas of the team right now that I look at when you talk about big picture going forward, offense, defense, special teams. When you look at this Nebraska team, the special teams is the one area that I look at. I'm like, I think these guys are going to be okay. Okay, I'm going to ask you something because I'm going to play one more from Scott Frost. Yes, we're playing a lot of sound in this because I think listening to Scott, 
and, and you're kind of like me. You kind of read between the lines. You can hear it in his voice or he says something. You're like, okay, this is what he's really trying to say. He said this after the game, and you could tell he was flustered after the game. You could tell he was bothered about how the time of possession. You could tell he was bothered about the 17 because he's hearing it, right? The, the boos were out. The boos, you, you were at the game. You heard the booze. We'll get into booze because I, I, I don't have a problem with booze. Some people do. Uh, but here's Scott. I want to know if you agree with this. As a head coach, you got to balance, you know, telling them they're a great team to keep the confidence up with being honest with them and making sure we're continuing to get better. Um, this team can be a great team. It's not right now. And that was my message to them. Um, so that, that puts us in a perfect position to have the potential to be good, but know that we got a lot of work to do and a lot of things to fix. Okay, I agree with I agree with one part of it, and that is they're not a great team right now. What I don't agree with them is this team can't be a great team. I watched Georgia over the weekend. I watched Alabama over the weekend. <laughs> Those are great football teams. Nebraska. I watched the Notre Dame Ohio State game. That was a couple of pretty damn good teams. Yes, I, I, I mean that's great. I, I mean, I guess my level of grade is complete. Nebraska can probably be a good football team. It can't be a great football team they, like those Define teams. good. I mean, win, give me a win-loss record. No, I, like, I, if, you, if you'd if you look at Nebraska this year and be like, huh, yeah, that was, pretty, that, that was good. It's not great, but it was good. Seven, for, eight wins okay. with, this, with this schedule. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now is that if they win seven or eight, I'll be, yeah, that was pretty but good. But that, that doesn't necessarily keep his job. But when you throw the word great out there, when I hear the word great, I'm thinking ex- exceptional. I'm thinking yeah. spectacular. I watched Georgia. Oh my God. And the thing that's always interesting to me is that I, you know, I've seen teams that I, I think have a lot of potential, have some great athletes. I'm not writing Nebraska off athletically here. But, but I mean, from a coaching and developmental standpoint, that, that's where the worry is for me. Because I look at these guys, and I mean, let, let's back up. I'm going to go back to, oh, I'm blanking on what year it was, but it was uh, the Bo Pelini season where they uh, went and played Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game, and boy, God just absolutely nuked. Was that the Monty Ball game yeah. where he had like yeah. – like 900 yards rushing in that game alone. And everybody was basically like, the world's ending. This is the end of Nebraska football. 2012. Okay. And now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they go and play Georgia in the bowl game and beat them? Yeah. And that was a Georgia team that had lost the SEC title game in an absolute brawl against Alabama. It was basically a run game duel between Georgia and Alabama in that SEC title game. And I remember everybody was just like, oh my God, we are so horrible. There's no way we could match up with anybody else in the country. Look at Georgia and Alabama over here. These guys are insane. We went and played Georgia and beat them in the bowl game. I mean, those kind of things happen in football, and so I'm not ready to discount these guys from an athletic standpoint, from a capability standpoint, but I'm not seeing the coaching right now to see that happen. And, and I don't know, maybe they, they turn a corner and do some good things here, but if you look at this Nebraska team right now, you're seeing them 
struggle against a Northwestern team and losing to a Northwestern team that, that like Nebraska, finished at the bottom of the Big Ten last year with a 3-9 and nine record. You see Nebraska come out, and again, I get it. They won by three touchdowns against North Dakota on, on Saturday. But that's an SCS team that statistically did some just mind-blowing things against Nebraska, especially in the terms of time of possession, and was basically completely standing in there and trading punches with us well into the third quarter. I mean, if you want to point a comparison, Fordham was Fordham traded punches for about a quarter and a half, and by the time you got about halfway through the second quarter, Nebraska had kind of established dominance and, and kind of started blowing it open. Well, up next for Nebraska is Georgia Southern. Not Georgia, but Georgia Southern. Uh, they had a big win over Morgan State. I have no idea where the hell Morgan State is. They beat Morgan State 59 I believe it's Kentucky, but is it? I have no clue. Uh, but they had 367 yards passing, 137 yards rushing. It's 504 yards of total offense. All their scoring took place from the second quarter on. Uh, Kyle Van Treese, the uh, quarterback, uh, twenty from Buffalo. 20, oh, is he one yeah. of Lance Leipold's guys? Huh? Yeah, he. Uh, so he played for played against Nebraska last oh, year okay. for when Nebraska played Buffalo. So twenty nine of forty six, three sixty seven, four TDs, one INT. So you're going to see a pass happy team, is what Pro- I'm saying. Probably, and he's also going to come into Lincoln and be like, "Oh yeah, I've I've, I've seen these." But you know what? Before. Being a quarterback. Having played in the environment, because You're it not could getting, be, I, you would you would think he wouldn't get rattled. Yes. Now I mean, other guys might, but if you have a quarterback at least to to calm your guys down, that's got to be somewhat of an advantage. I think it helps a lot. I mean, I don't. I got to be honest with you. I, I I was trying to do a little research on both Georgia Southern. Um, they got who's it? Chip Helton is their coach. I have the, no idea. Yes, yeah, the U.S. It's the former USC oh, coach, Clay Helton. Okay. Clay Hilton. I said Chip Helton. I was, I'm going full Pac-12 here, <laughs> combining names. It is Clay Helton. Yeah. Wow. Which I actually thought he was a pretty good coach. He was one of those guys that just – the USC alumni and administration for some reason hated the dude. It's just three out of four years he's punching out ten win seasons. He's the same age as us. I didn't know that. Okay, that's us getting old. That's actually, not coaches getting old. Actually, younger. I'm older than he is. He was born in 72. So oh, he's he's older than you, too. Well, no, I was born in 71. Oh, yeah. Right so you're older end. than him. Yeah. Right so at you're, the you're, end. you're older than him. You don't cheat me a year. Sorry, ago, man. Your birthday's coming up, too, isn't it? December. December? Yeah. I get yeah. old again. Yeah. Then you'll be the big 5'2. Five, 5'1. Five, one. Five, one. Oh, you're 50 right now? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be 52 this month. That's because you're really freaking Jesus, old. man. Why do you got to rub it in like I'll that? get a shovel. I'll help you dig that six-foot hole. What should we do for my birthday? Up. Should we go to like, uh, should we go to, uh, should we go to a brewery? Should we go to Cross Drain? Oh, we got some good ones. Cross Drain yeah. always good. Yeah. Can't go wrong Yes, with that. we should. I will buy you a beer. Wow. That's really nice of you, man. But our guy Jeff will probably comp it anyway. Well, so. you know what? I'm kind of bummed that Nebraska fans aren't going to Madison this year because... They, they would, could fuck COVID. They could fuck COVID, and, and and if you want to fuck COVID, you could go to sorry, the, Dave. You could go to the uh, Ale Asylum Brewery in Madison, Wisconsin. It's a tasty beer. It is. I like it. Yeah. So I mean, the can alone's worth it. 
I just like the fact that they asterisk the title and you look at the bottom, also hoarders. So the other big news, so I, I guess my, my point with Nebraska is Georgia Southern's great, whatever, but the next measuring stick really isn't until Oklahoma. You can get excited about a 38-17 win. You could, and I saw somebody on, not, on, 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 on Twitter fine. go, this is going to be the week Nebraska turns it around. You don't know that. You don't know it because Wait, it's Georgia, Georgia Southern? Southern. Yes. Well, I mean, I guess under your definition, I guess turning it around would be going out and spanking them, right? I mean, that would be turning it around. Yeah, I, you would have to do to – well, look at it this way. Georgia Southern did to – Morgan State. Morgan State, what Nebraska should have done to North Dakota and beat them, what was it, 52 to 7? 59 the, to 7. 59 to 7. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that North Dakota game – going into the 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 Georgia Southern game. And the thing that's going through my head, it's one of those, I, I get Anthony Grant and A.J. Allen busting off these nice runs late in the game um, to kind of tack three scores on and kind of blow it open there late. But I'm still sitting here going, okay, that, that's an FCS school that, I mean, they... Again, God, they took it to Nebraska for th- almost three quarters. They dominated time of possession. I'm looking at Georgia Southern, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting here going like, okay, Clay Helton did a- actually did pretty good at, at USC. Did okay. I mean, he wasn't great. I mean, he was, he was Bo Pelini-like. How's that? Okay, compared to what we got now, that's pretty <laughs> fucking good. That's fair. Touche. I'll give that to you. I mean, shit. That's better. That Bo Pelini is was was slightly better than Iowa average, because Iowa average is like seven point eight to eight point five wins a year. But you'll take that right now, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, we would right now. Bo Pelini average. I think he averaged. He was nine games, wasn't he? He was like nine and a half. Yeah. He was basically nineteen seventies and eighties Tom Osborne. He averaged right there at like nine and a half wins a year over the, well, what was it, seven years, eight years? I'm trying to think. Right I mean, it, was, it was 08 yeah. to 2008 to 2014. Yeah. So seven years in Lincoln. Is my math right? I, well, yeah. according to your, your report card, no. No, I can't count. <laughs> and it, nobody and said don't it was going to be me. math. Well, yeah. So. 08 to 2014, there's seven seasons. So he averaged nine and a half wins over seven seasons or roughly that. That's pretty damn good. That is not bad. And so I look at this where I'm sitting here going like, okay, well, Clay Helton was Bo Pelini-esque. I'm sitting here going like, okay, well, that scares the shit out of me because that means you've got a team that's going to be ballpark nine to ten wins a year coming in here, at least from a coaching quality measuring stick and no by the way guess what all those kids playing football up at north dakota it's a bunch of big farm kids from nebraska north dakota south dakota montana wisconsin and minnesota that filter filter in there we're getting all the kids who didn't get the ride from georgia or troy or alabama or florida who wanted to stay in the South? That's who Georgia Southern has. Did I see a stat? Did I see? And, and again, I I don't have it on me. 
But did I see a stat? The SEC went 14 and 0 this weekend. I can't say I've seen that same stat, but uh, oh, who's the ESPN guy for this squirrely little skinny dude? Well, that narrows it down. We got <laughs> Matt Schick. No, it's the for the ESPN guy. No, not national guy. National ESPN. Well, Matt's national. The, the SEC guy. Oh, well, Dari Noka's over there. Not Dari. Oh, no, you're talking to Paul Feinbaum. Thank you. There we go. I've, I've kind of tried to purge his name. <laughs> if you would have said brain. skinny, bald, little prick, I would have, I would have said bald. That's kind of what I said. I yeah, thought. but you didn't, you well, didn't say skin, older. I said skinny little yeah. dude. Yeah. Skinny of course, compared dude. to me, everybody's a skinny Who, by the way, dude. made a huge prediction that Ohio State was just going to blow out Notre Dame. That was a hell of a football game. There was there was, that was Okay, so that do you know what that is? That's Feinbaum. Setting up being a show for the SEC weeks worth of oh Ohio State was supposed to blow these guys out only because you said they were going to and they didn't therefore he can now go back and just absolutely bag on Ohio State for the next few months. Yeah, you're probably because that's what he, he. I mean, he will be a show for the. For, for, for the SEC, always has been a shill for the SEC. Always has been, always will be. I mean, screw that guy. Guy's an idiot. <laughs> anyway, it, it's – now, I just – I'm looking at Georgia Southern, and what's got me worried is the fact that you've got a team that I – I don't think they're an unathletic team. I think there's going to be some really, really good athletes. I think they're going to be reasonably well coached. They're going to come into Lincoln with a quarterback – who's played in Lincoln before last year as part of a somewhat overmatched team, and he's going to know how to handle that kind of pressure. And that worries the hell out of me when we just played an FCS team who took us deep into the second half. And by the way, yes, the SEC uh, won every game this past weekend. Every single game this past weekend. With, with the exception, sorry, with the exception oh. of LSU, which so they won every game on Saturday or on Saturday, Sunday night, Florida State, which you were happy about. You that was were a great you, game. You were wearing your Seminole red and gold. Uh, we had the whole family yeah. decked out. It yeah. was a fun game. So LSU, the only SEC team to lose. South How Carol- about Brian Kelly? Fuck Brian Kelly. I'm serious. That guy. I I never wanted a guy to fail more. What? Then I want Brian Kelly to fail. Dude, you're a Notre Dame, you're a Golden Dome First lover. All, you I, love him more than I I, I, I always thought he was egotistical. Yeah. But it, it was it was the way he went to LSU. And that is he shows up, puts on this fake southern accent. God, that was that was doesn't yeah. exist. I hate using the word cringe, but oh my god, yeah. that was the most cringe thing. And then ever. he does these these videos dancing with spotlights oh, and a disco ball. Oh, with the recruits. Yeah, it's just that it is was, freaking weird. It's just so disingenuous. I think he's got little man syndrome to Nick Saban. I really do. I think he thinks the only way he'll be able to compete and beat Nick Saban is if he gets in the same league. I'm telling you, listen, my daughters. I've lived in Louisiana. I have one that lives there now. I have one that lives in Mississippi. He's a, he's an East Coaster who worked at in in what Michigan at a D two school. Went to Cincinnati, then went to Notre Dame. It's a cultural nightmare for him down there. I promise you this. So I 
He will not adapt. So the other thing is that's kind of interesting after that game. Couple of things. One has been that did you if you listen to his post game press press conference, he was chucking guys under the bus left. His and coaching right. staff and his players. Yeah, and the thing that was interesting to me was if you hop online, you look at college football social media kind of the consistent theme that came out of all of that was like, oh, yeah, well, that's totally Brian Kelly. And I I don't pay much attention to Notre Dame. I don't pay much attention to Brian Kelly. I don't. I never followed them on social media or within sports media in general. But the number of Notre Dame fans who are coming out and saying like, God, the guy was – anything that ever went wrong, he would always throw – his players under the bus. He would talk about how they screwed up. This wasn't his issue. It was a player issue. If the players had only done what he had coached them to do, they would have been fine. They would have won the game. And I saw that afterwards where he, and I, and I saw some people who were trying to really put it into context um, because you, you had one of their actually he's considered a fairly good wide receiver who's also the punt returner. You know, there were some compliment sandwiches where Brian Kelly was like kind of hammering the kid on his punt return ability, but then would compliment him on the wide receiver aspect of it. But it's still one of those things where you never throw a kid under the bus. And I think from a coaching standpoint, it's just that's a oh god. I mean, you, you just don't do it. One thing I always appreciated about Bo. Um, so Nebraska played a series against Virginia Tech, home and away. Yep. Played out at Vot. Played played in Lincoln, and then the next year they played out at yep. Virginia Tech. I was I was yeah. I remember going to Blacksburg. That was crazy. And so that was the game where. Late in the game, Nebraska has the lead. God, was that Tyrod Taylor at quarterback? It was. So you had Tyrod Taylor, really good running quarterback. Guy can run, guy can pass. You don't want to let him out of the pocket. And I remember late in the game on their final drive, Nebraska had him. It was either a third or fourth down. I think it was actually a fourth down. Tyrod rolls out to the offense's right, looks like he's going to take off and come running up field. And it was Matt O'Hanlon was the safety for Nebraska, and actually quite a good safety. He ended up, I think, actually making all Big Ten that year. Matt breaks off of the guy he's covering, thinking that Tyrod's going to take off running. And Matt breaks off and runs up to tackle Tyrod Taylor, Taylor launches this freaking 40-yard bomb over O'Hanlon's head. Receiver catches it, gets knocked out of bounds at like the three-yard line. And I think Nebraska actually took him to like fourth down on the on on the goal line as well before Virginia Tech scored the winning touchdown. But a lot of people went back to that play where they were basically like, Hey, there's, I mean, freaking Sue was chasing Tyrod. He would have caught him. Um, O'Hanlon should not have broken off of the guy, he the, the receiver he was covering. And, and that's what cost Nebraska the game. Pelini got asked that after the game, like, 
hey, what are your thoughts on O'Hanlon and that play at the end of the game? And I remember Pelini just bristled up and basically he didn't say fuck you to the reporter, but basically he was like, who? Who are you talking about? And the reporter asked again, very, I mean, very polite, politely. It was a, it was a good, I I don't disagree with the question, but Polini was basically, I'm not going to say the guy's name and throw him under the bus. We win as a team, we lose as a team. And Polini refused to throw O'Hanlon under the bus when everybody knew they were talking about O'Hanlon. And Polini was like, I'm not doing it. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame this loss on one guy. There's a code there, right? Exactly. After that, you can disagree with me, but after that, as a former as a guy who played the sport, I didn't give a rat's ass with what Polini did. I didn't give her I didn't care if he was spitting shit into Martinez's face on the sideline against AM. I didn't care what kind of meltdown he had after when I saw that, because at that point in time, I was like, holy shit, this guy will literally ref- He will look stupid before he throws a player under the bus. So- Brian, and then you got Brian Kelly, who's like, Oh yeah, the players completely screwed this shit up and didn't listen to my coaching, which if they did, they would have won the game. It's like if I'm a player for LSU right now, I'm just sitting there going like, man, fuck this guy. So let's bring the you kind of transition to the next topic because uh, I saw somebody on Twitter today say, hey, if you boo these players, don't you show up at Memorial Stadium? And then the same thing happened at Iowa. Spencer Petras got booed. The offense got booed, and it should have. It had a, like 166 yards of total offense. Spencer Petras was 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 brutal. Here's my thought with booing, okay? I did a little research today. Booing actually dates back to like ancient Greek times. I was going to ask, yeah, when did this start? So they, they needed to, it was a form of approval or non-approval for when they asked the crowd to vote on like acts and plays that they liked. So, like, booing became customary in, in Greek culture. It didn't become a, a sporting event or a crowd thing until, like, the 1800s officially by the dictionary. Listen, you may not like booing, but what would you rather have them do? And it, it's not necessarily that, – that's like saying you can't boo the, the officials. At the end of the day, people have to have a way to voice frustration – and booing is probably the most politically correct way to do it instead of going, you know, the basketball, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I mean, we're calling out guys. You it, fucking 72, you suck. You know, ass. and so I think one guy put it in perspective. It was, it was a musical artist who said, you know, people boo because they have high expectations for you. So it's all how you look at it. If you're getting booed, that means the crowd has really high expectations. They expected more. They expect more. And the guy said, I've never been booed, which disappoints me. Because either they didn't like me, because there's no way he could have actually lived up to the expectations of everybody every 100% of the time. time. He's like, I've never been booed, and that bothers me. 
And that's a it's a, it's all how you, you remember who the performer I, I was. I forget was. I was just yeah. reading about today, but it was it was one of the things where like that's a great take. It's a great way to put it in perspective of like it's all how you look at it. Yeah, which I you know there's lines that you don't want to cross as, as a in terms of fan player interaction. Yes. Um, I don't have a big problem with booing, and, it, and it, to a degree, it kind of depends on who you're directing it at. Um, I, I think a lot of the time, I would probably say the vast majority of the time when you're booing somebody, you're booing the coaching staff. Yeah. Or just the execution. Yeah. If, if you're, if you are, if you're on like fourth and one and you like try a play action pass and it's incomplete, most people are going to go, why don't you just try to run it? You know I mean? Yeah. I'm just using that as an example. But it, that's a coaching it, decision it, yes, right yes. there. And that, that's idiotic. I have no problem with booing coaching decisions. But see, nobody knows. Everybody's like, well, they don't know the difference. They're players. They're college kids. Well, first of all, uh, when Casey Thompson says everybody on the starting lineup is getting paid six figures, they're not college kids anymore. They're professional athletes. And that's the, that's the other line is that when I got to the NFL, one, just me in general, I didn't mind getting booed. And B... I mean, you're getting paid to do that. Yes. You're getting paid to be there. I didn't mind getting booed, and, and I thought it was reasonably appropriate because, well, like I said, you're, you're a professional. It's Yeah, that's part of the game. I didn't like seeing players get booed in college. Um, and that's a good point about the NIL thing because these guys are now professionals. Absolutely. And so there, there's a standard that you want to live up to both as a player and the expectations that the fans have upon you. And so I, I, I see it less and less as something um, that I disagree with. I mean, like I said, I used to be like, don't boo a guy in college. It's perfectly okay in the pros, though. Now there's blurred lines. Yeah, it got that's blurred tremendously. These guys are now in college. Most of these guys are pros and making more than most people that sit in that stadium. Yeah, they're making a lot of money. Yes, and so I don't have. If you're gonna boo, go ahead. I I I, I got to be honest. I don't have much of a problem with it. The I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this. There, there's kind of the I view. Booing to an, to an extent, kind of like what you had said in regards to that musical artist. There's a failure to live up to an expectation, and that's why you're booing. Yeah, and I think if you view it that way, I don't have a problem with it. I do have a problem. Let's say as you're a player running off the field, and some fan is sitting there yelling at you like, "Hey, Martinez, you effing suck!" Like, yeah, that's out of line. Yeah, I but would the, agree but, with that. But I think the boo is kind of sort of a general consensus on you're not living up to expectations. I don't have a problem with that. Go for it. So, um, but I mean, there was stuff on Twitter. You and I were kind of talking a little bit about on Twitter. There was some discussion where, because I know a couple of people had called out Wyatt Lever after the punt play in the game, which, again, we talk about on Doc's Diagnosis. Not the most heads-up play by him. Now, some of that falls on him. Some of that falls on coaching. 
But I mean, a few people, I mean, there was one guy on Twitter who was like, yeah, he's in the argument for worst player to ever play at Nebraska. Well, that's a little fucking harsh, and especially over what we've seen out of Nebraska. Or ever to football. get meaningful snaps, I believe it was, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I mean, especially what we've seen. Was it like Big Red Copcast or something like yeah. that? Yeah. But I mean, we go back to like Callahan era, Riley era, Chunks of the Frost era. Man, there's been some dudes who are just like, holy shit, I can't believe this guy. This is all we've got. Now, I'm not going to call those guys out on a somewhat public forum like Twitter or any other social media or this podcast. Now, you know, I, I do the Iowa it, Hawkeye Cohen I mean, show, right? Gonna, I called out Spencer Petras over well, the weekend. Is, is somebody pl- I, I think there's a difference between saying, hey, he's not playing well or he's, he's not playing I said well. he sucked, and he did. He was horrible. A third-year starter should not be overthrowing your wide receivers on a five-yard out. That's something you no, practice over and over and is. over again. And, and I'll give you that. And I and so there's a lot of context to this that I think needs to be taken into account. But, I mean, the Wyatt Lever play is one of those like, okay, yeah, he needs to be more heads up with that. But at the same time, the coach has got to have make sure the players have this understanding. Because here's the thing. We were still having our special teams coaches reviewing those things with us at the NFL level. I mean, I've talked before about how I got to the NFL and I was thinking it's going to be like this magic booklet of of untold football knowledge that nobody else gets. It's like, no, you get to the NFL and it's, all right, let's review the basics again this week. Yeah. And I was like, well, haven't we done that for the last nine weeks? It's like, yes, we're reviewing the basics again. Like every week we would go through this stuff. That was something we reviewed on a regular basis at the NFL level. That's something the coaches need to be reviewing with these guys so they don't make those kinds of mistakes. All right, Dr. Rob, uh, one of the big things that happened over the weekend, besides a great weekend of college football, was that on Friday – they decided the college football playoff would expand to 12 teams right now in 2026. Uh, your thoughts? Right, so the four highest conference champions will get a bye. The next two highest conference champions will get an automatic bid, and then the rest are just the highest-ranked teams. I like it. Well, okay, well, I, I've, been, I've been on board with this for – you know, ever since they started the the quote unquote playoff, which was four teams, yep. the 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 one thing that shocked me all along is that they haven't gotten to this point sooner. That I thought they would take one look at a the revenue that came from this, and then just the, the public interest that grows from having playoff football would just this would I, I thought we'd be at 12 teams by year 3 and 16 teams by do you think year the, 8 do you think it would have if the conference commissioners would have been in charge and not university presidents and chancellors cuz i do think they do think about the academic aspect the the longevity of everything um i you know you, you hear that consistently and it's been an argument for years and years and years and years against doing it. But then when you go and actually look at it, you realize, well, FCS does a playoff. 
and Division Two does a playoff, and Division Three does a playoff. All of the, everybody else does a full playoff. So that 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 whole academic argument that like, well, it's going to erode into the academics. This is cutting into finals time. It, it's a false argument. Everybody else does it. All these all these division th- all these division three liberal arts schools that are supposed to be these academic powerhouses. Apparently they find out some way to do it. You look at, I I think division two does, I think a 28 team playoff. We're talking 12. And and I mean, you know, out of those, I mean, at least the, I mean, when we, when we've had the four team format, I mean, every year at least two of them have been SEC teams, and they don't even go to school down there except for Vanderbilt. So you can throw that academic argument out the window right there. But it, it, it's it's one of these things where I love it. I've wanted to see an expansion of this from the get-go. Um, kind of the little mini rant, which you and I talked about this a little bit. We've touched on it in the past kind of the main argument that keeps getting floated out there and people keep putting out there and people keep complaining about is that this is going to dilute the regular season. This is going to make the regular season meaningless. Because I don't agree with that. Oh, I completely disagree with it. And I think anybody who uses that argument, I'm going to, I'm going to go asshole Rob mode here. Anybody who uses that argument's a fucking idiot. Sorry, Dave. They are. So now, here's why I say that. I don't hear too many anymore, though. I see a ton of that. I, really? Like, that was, when they first announced this, that was the big argument that you saw from tons of fans and media was, well, we knew this was coming, but it's going to dilute the regular season. Now, the regular season games are going to become meaningless. It's going to take value away from the regular season. And people's argument to support that is, well, if you're a team and you have one loss, unless you're Georgia or Alabama, if you have one loss, now you're out of the playoff. Well, here's the thing. In the current system where you got four teams – who are those four teams going to be? SEC. The, no, give me give me specific name off four teams right off the bat. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, or an at just an at large. Yeah. So I mean, you've got this rotation, but usually coming from the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve. Yeah. So what we found is that if you if you limit if you limit the playoff to four teams, at least right now, and, and again. You, you you go back 10, 12 years ago, it'd be Oklahoma and USC and Florida and Ohio State. Yeah, if you go back yeah, it's, almost 30 years, it would be Nebraska. Oh. Yeah. Fuck you. Do you know who it <laughs> never would have been? Iowa. That Well, that's never. not true. Yeah, 19, that's not true. Yeah, Iowa would have made it the year C.J. Beathard led him into an undefeated regular season. They would have been in the playoff under that scenario. They would have made it. Okay, hold on a second. So they lost in the Big Ten, but they were still ranked high enough because they played Michigan State close enough. Would they have been fourth uh, in the top four? It, 
It, no, because Michigan they State They didn't was. go because Michigan State beat them in the fucking game. I know that, but what I'm saying is... No, under, they under, would not have gone. Under the 12-man format. Okay, yes. That's what I'm getting at. Which is why you need more teams. Sorry. I thought you were saying it. No, a I'm talking about under the, in under a four the new team format. playoff. I'm sitting no. here going like, okay. dude, they fucking lost no, and they I, weren't in the top that's fair. four. What that's the fair. hell? That's fair. I'll give you that. Okay. I, I miss, I misunderstood you. You're right. Under the four team tournament. You're right. They, they would not have been there. 12 team. Yeah. And guess what? I would, well, I would have liked to have seen Iowa hit a little bit of a reset button, but shit. Then they went and played Stanford and got nuked Oof. by but, but, Christian ran all but, over. But here's them. the deal. I don't think it changes the outcome all that much. I, I think there's a lot of people who think you're going to get a Cinderella or a huge upset in that second round where somebody's going to get knocked off. I, I don't think it changes the scenario that much. I think I think you're still, for a while here, you're still going to see the same two teams in the title game. But I think one of those top four now is going to get – you're going to see one of those guys get knocked off. You're going to see – It won't be number one. You're going to see – It'll a, be number four. You're going to see an 08 Nebraska knock off a pretty good Georgia team. Let, let, okay. I mean, let me let – me, okay, look at it this way. We've had a more than one year where both the winner and loser of the SEC title game makes it into the playoff, correct? True. It happened this past yeah. year. It's happened prior to this past year. Well, in 2012, a, a, a pretty good but far from great Nebraska team knocked off the loser of the SEC title game. True. And I think, was that the Gator Bowl? But the difference here is but you, you have a team that in, that's disappointed that it didn't make, it didn't want to go to the Gator Bowl, thought it had a better game. I mean, there, there's some mental aspects to this. There is, but I think you see that in playoffs as well. Oh, we didn't get the top seed. Oh, we don't have that first game at home. Or, Boy, if you, oh, we're if not you make the playoffs and have that feeling, you, then you don't belong there. I'm sure if, if you have that feeling. And I feeling, get it, but that's the reality of okay. it. And I think we're going to see some of the, we're going to see some pretty good upsets. I still think you're you're going to see like an Alabama versus Ohio State national title game, or a or, or a Clemson uh, Georgia national title game. Those top two are still going to match up. I mean, your upsets will come in that first week. I, I think those teams that get the four buys are still going to be probably your upper echelon teams. I say that you know, I, I get that, but at the same time, it's interesting because if you look at the NFL. Some of those teams that don't play that first week, don't play that first-round playoff game that get that bye, they kind of come in and they're coming off a little bit of a layoff, and sometimes that does screw up your time. The interesting part about this whole thing is that Notre Dame is will never, ever get a bye, ever, because it can't win an Unless a, they join a conference. But will that be a strong enough push to get Notre Dame to join a conference? I don't think it I is. I don't know, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Right now, every... Money, first round buy in a playoffs. Everything's pushing against them to join a conference. Yes. Anyway, my point on the value thing. So the value argument is that having an expanded playoff decreases the value of the regular season. And in my opinion, it only de decreases that value for those four top teams that would have made the playoff 
if it was only a four-team playoff. Because before, let me, okay, look at it this way. Look at, uh, okay, 2015 Iowa. Yeah. I'm going to say, we're let's call the Big Ten title game a regular season game. I know it's kind of postseason. We're going to call that a regular season game, okay? Okay. Just for the point of the argument here. Iowa loses that, and under the four-team model, that game was huge. Yes. And I and I get it. It devalues it maybe for Iowa that, okay, now they get to go to the playoff. But, I mean, if it's a 12-team playoff, now that has that, that game has value to them. The regular season is value. Yes. Um, take, a, take a team. So the teams that are going to make it if it's a four-team playoff in perpetuity, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and then you've got that occasional run where the Pac-12 rises up and sends an Oregon or a Washington or, or maybe a USC if Pete Carroll comes back. Does that, I mean, does that, does that sound like a, yeah. that's all you're going to see. There is zero value to anybody else's regular season except those teams. Georgia Tech doesn't matter. Florida doesn't matter. UCF in 2017 doesn't matter. Auburn doesn't matter. LSU outside of the Joe Burrow era it does your regular season games don't matter. Michigan outside of last year doesn't your, matter. Your regular season doesn't matter. There is zero value to anybody's regular season unless you're one of those top four to six teams in the country. They're going to get in in a four team playoff format. All of a sudden, by expanding the playoff to twelve teams, guess what? Shit. Now Florida's regular season has value. Absolutely, because you know, even if you don't make the, say you don't even make your conference championship game, you can stay. And the SEC knows this. Yeah, one of those extra teams you might get, get in. in. Central Florida potentially now gets like that that group of five team that has that mind blowing well, good. Se- you're well that, now. It's Coastal Carolina. It's not well, Central now it, Florida. Now it gets anymore. interesting though. Is, is is Utah last year? What's the sixth conference? That's the interesting part because with BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston going to the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve is going to be sitting pretty good to have. It's still, yeah, it's, it's still it's it's conference yes. champs still going. With USC and UCLA leaving the Pac twelve, it becomes interesting on what that sixth conference is going to be as far as the I highest still, ranked. Well, team. until something happens with Oregon, Washington, and the Arizona schools. The Pac-12 still is well, did you see a Power 5 conference. The, the guy from the San Jose Mercury News had this over the week, and he said, listen, Ohio State's put its foot down and said no more expansion because there's no value with any of the teams in the Pac-12. Because Oregon's trying like hell to get in. Ohio State's saying, we're not sharing any more money. We'll share money with Notre Dame. We're not sharing money with anybody else. You, you don't share money with Notre Dame. Notre Dame comes yes. in and brings it, you yes. money. What Ohio State's saying, okay, we're going to get $100 million a year. Oregon, Washington, yeah, that's maybe a share package. Yes. 
they're not going to go down and and decrease that by another 20 million. They're not going to do it. They're saying no more. And with this 12 team playoff, I don't know if you need to expand anymore. If Notre Dame wants to, you let them hold in. on. Expand the playoff or expand conferences? The conferences. If you've agreed to this for a longer period yeah, of time, that's, I mean that's a great point. You don't need to expand the conferences anymore, and I think that's why Ohio State's going. If you've got a twelve-team league, you're going to agree to this for a certain amount of years. What seven years? Big Twelve can pick up a few schools. Yep. Pac twelve. Well, honestly, I think what ends up happening is I think the, I think the Pac twelve ends up. I think you've got some schools that do everything in their power to join the Big Twelve. And then I think the remnants try and form a powerful group of five conferences. Then it's called the Mountain West. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if you've got, I mean, if you have, let's say you've got the Arizona schools, you've got Utah. If I'm the Big Twelve, I'm taking. I'm taking. If I'm the Big Twelve, I'm taking Arizona State. You got Washington and Oregon. If I'm the Big Twelve, I'm lining up. I'm saying Arizona State, Washington, Oregon. Stanford will take you. Arizona, you're out. Phoenix God, that's is harsh, but it's Phoenix true. is a bigger market. Yeah, I mean you're looking for value there, right? No, I totally get it. So that that's what it that's Cal what it Cal brings you zero. Value. Cal brings you nothing. Great GPA, excellent engineering okay, if degrees. I, would you take Stanford or Cal? I take Stanford in a second. Oh, 100%. Yep. It, well, but I mean Stanford has good sports. They they yes. got, Men's and women's basketball are good. Women's volleyball is good. They got a great wrestling team. Uh, on a good year, David Shaw's punching out some pretty good football. Dr. Rob, always good catching up with you. Oh, my God. We covered a lot of ground. We covered play. a shitload. And the playoff, the 12-team playoff brings value to college football to college football it doesn't dilute it it brings value so here's the deal you're listening to this podcast on podbean right now you can watch it later in the week on youtube subscribe to our youtube channel because you're going to see this podcast you're going to see the doctor's diagnosis you're going to see behind the point spread with scott spreicher that's wednesday night at eight and that's live. That is more knowledge and data than even I can promise. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's good shit. It really is. Um, so subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like our Facebook page. Follow Dr. Rob on Twitter at DocTalkSports. Follow me at Travis Creates. want to thank Betfred Sportsbook because without them, this podcast really is impossible. And all the cool shit we're doing now, which is lots of stuff. Now, now I got to thank our producer Owen Justice, who's back there. Like he's like a TV director back there now. I'm like watching on your computer screen. I'm watching the the camera feed flip back I, I and mean, forth. He's, and he 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 he's the visionary. Right? Are you paying him? Uh, I'm gonna have to start probably because he's not living here really anymore. He got rid of his bed in the other room, so now he's 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 not shacking up here anymore. Yeah, he does come here and eat. Uh, I do want to thank uh, Connor Orr from Orr, Horgan, and Flenty. I want to thank Husker Hounds. And again, I want to thank Betfred Sports. Thank you so much, Brian Bennett and the crew at Betfred Sports. Download the Betfred Sports app today. Use the promo code DOCTALK. Which get- I will say, if you want to interact online with people, dude, Brian Brian will yep. jump on. He'll answer questions. He'll give you information. He'll he, he loves interacting with the fans on, I mean, 
Bed, Bedfred is an interactive it is. social media and presence. it's just part of the customer service they provide uh, when you download their app. He's Dr. Rob Zaniska. I'm Travis Justice. We'll see you next week, and we'll talk to you next week on the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook.